Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 12th Row Podcast. I am your host, Josh Baskin, and as always, we are joined by a co-host who, you know, has gotten me so much into darts that we even talk about it before this podcast. Will, how are you doing today? Yeah, man, not too bad. Uh, Darts League started up last week. It was a bright, sunny weekend, and we got a new dog. There you go. I, uh, I don't know if there's dart leagues around me, but I would not be good. (laughs) <laughs> I need to actually throw first. You know, I can watch all I want. But uh, no, uh, we've uh, we've had another pretty interesting week, to say the least, in the in the football scene. Well, you know, I'm not talking about the draft that happened in Cleveland. Uh, in the actual soccer world, we uh, had a lot of interesting storylines this week. Will, what do you bring into the pod this week? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> should be interesting. Keep you guys on your toes. We got protest spark a frenzy around Manchester United. Inter dethrone Juve after 10 years, and Villarreal puts Arsenal on notice in the Europa League. What about you? So, uh, for me, uh, are the bottom three now set for relegation in the Premier League? Is Manchester United's favorite European team to play, AS Roma? And the Dark Knight, Jose Mourinho, has risen once again. So, very interesting storylines, like I said, but will... Some stuff that we don't even mention in our storylines uh, that are happening around Europe uh, that could be headlines. Uh, Champions League, yeah, you mentioned Europa League. We've got, you know, in our uh, our MLS talk that I'm, I'm very much enjoying every week. And, you know, we've got some Serie A La Liga and Bundesliga action. As there's only about four more weeks left of the season. Well, it's, it's, it's very sad. Uh, but as you know, Will, transfer talk is, is the best part of the year coming around the corner. So as always, Will, we're going to kick it off in the Champions League. We had Man City versus PSG today. I was able to catch pretty much all of the game uh, up until around the 65th minute or so. I did catch the highlights just in case I missed anything. But we had Man City at the Etihad take on PSG. Will, it was a uh, Always a good sight to see some snow and ice out in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, here it's like 70 degrees, raining, so I'm not going to complain that much. But uh, 2-0, 2 City, Riyad Mahrez at the double in the 11th minute and 63rd minute. Well, my first big question, well, not my big question yet, but my first uh, topic that I want to mention here when it comes to this game, number one, no killing Mbappe off of injury. I know that you know it was a four-one aggregate in total for City, but off of your analysis, will one of my first questions? I don't know if Mbappe would have been good enough or even enough today to stop the City side. Yeah, City was really clinical and <clears throat> excuse me, going the other direction. All the counterattacks, all the you know quick interchanges out of pressure were spot on. Um, now Mbappe could have maybe. It made Zinchenko think twice before stepping forward, or if you had played on Kyle Walker's side, maybe Kyle Walker stays pinned back a little bit. But I think we have a new budding signing of the season in front of us in Ruben Diaz because the man played amazing today. I I don't know if you could have put Lionel Messi, Ronaldo, and Mbappe on the same team and they would have done anything. That's how good he was. Yeah, and one other thing too, or well, a few things. Number one, uh, Mario Icardi, who has, you know, before the game, they said he's had six goals in his last five appearances. I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen him play, to be honest with you. Uh, I know Moise Keane is, is, you know, in there a frequent amount. 
Uh, they'll normally obviously have Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria. I don't really know what was going on with the Cardi, but my next thing though will Pep played a four four two today. Uh, something that you know was a little conservative, uh, as they were two one up on away goals. Uh, we've always talked about how Guardiola might like to tinker a little too much here. He had you know. Uh, Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne lead in the line today. He threw Gundogan next to Fernandinho. Uh, Zinchenko, I was honestly a little surprised to see, as I know that Cancelo has been very good this season. Um, my big question to you, though, Will, has Riyad Mahrez permanently taken Raheem Sterling's place, man? I mean, I haven't, you know, seen Riyad Mahrez play this well. You know, for Algeria, he's obviously the main man. He's obviously had that 16 uh, season with Leicester, and he's always been a an absolute baller. There's no doubt about that. But Sterling was on that rise of production. Has Mara's totally making Sterling just irrelevant to the city side? Well, I think there's two two sides to that. Sterling's lost a little bit of confidence, um, and also the emergence of Phil Foden has, has stepped up. Um, but to specify on Mara's, I think we're seeing the new creation of an Ian Robin of Pep's Bayern side. If you go back and you watch it, or, you know, in my case, I watched a lot of that team as Robin was my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. Pep loves to I was have a big those... Ribery fan, so. <laughs> Pep loves <laughs> those guys to have, you know, the right side midfielders cutting on their left, be able to play a little bit of possession, but also go 1v1. Uh, every time Mares was 1v1 tonight, he won that battle. At the same time, he was smart enough to play that ball off his foot when he was he was closed down quickly. So I think we're seeing an emergence in kind of a a sculpting by um, Pep Guardiola that's going to be completely different than what Mahrez was at Leicester, but I think it's going to be extremely good for his career. So Sterling might want to learn how to play center forward. Yeah, and one thing, I, I really do like that Robin comparison, especially, you know, with Pep, it's a little bit easy to make that comparison. One thing that I do think that Mahrez is better... I think Mars is a, a more creative 1v1 attacker than Robin. But as you know, uh, and left-footed yourself, who I believe uh, you were the one that recommended me. I remember back when I had Twitter, there was like a five-and-a-half-minute video uh, of Iron Robin cutting in on his left foot. And it was like, it doesn't matter how many times you practice one thing. If you, if you do one thing great 5,000 times versus 5,000 different things one time or something like that. Yep. And it's just Robin cutting on his left. Cut it, and... He made an absolute living out of it, no doubt about it. But I really do like that comparison and that Mares. I don't think he's as uh, good of a passer as Robin, maybe in possession. I think Mares loses the ball a little too much, but I think he's a much better one v one when he when it comes to creativity. Yeah. Um. Maybe you know not as quick and accelerate uh, in acceleration right off the jump as Robin. Uh. But they're they're you know both left footed, both like to cut inside. Robin gets a little more swivel and swirl and curl on on his left foot. But I think with Mares, I think one thing too that he adds to the city side is that he's able to really slow down the game a little bit better than I think Robin does. And that he's a player that really likes to put his foot on the ball, where Robin is more of like a touch and go, get out of dodge or, you know, get out of the sideline and sometimes might lose the ball too much. But both obviously very great players on their day, really good comparisons. And I agree with you. Uh, I also think Sterling switching from Nike to New Balance is hurting him. No, <laughs> no uh, and also wanna, we'll jump to a little bit of PSG here. Will I was really hoping Ander Herrera would uh, would throw a nice challenge in somewhere as a as a former Red. 
Oh, he, he um, had a few. He had a few, yeah. You know, he did get the yellow for like a half jump into Bernardo, which was kind of funny in the first like 10 minutes. Um, I, I really didn't think PSG had a chance after the first 10 minutes. You saw Ederson basically be prime Pirlo out of the back with his ball to Zinchenko. Honestly, if Mares didn't score the first goal, uh, Florenzi's lucky he blocked De Bruyne's shot, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, my prediction was wrong. I don't know if... Excuse me. I don't know if I had PSG through or you did, but uh, City totally took us off the mark here. Yeah, I had him, I had him going through. I didn't think City would be able to get over this this stigma they have. Um, but obviously I was wrong. I, I completely misjudged the discipline of this PSG side. I mean, for a band of... 25 pros on this roster that was embarrassing to have ascending off in the first leg um, at such a crucial moment I mean back in that le- it was about the 60th minute that uh, Ghana Gay gets sent off yeah and it you really saw the, the importance of him yeah you saw the importance of what they were missing today I think Pereira or Danilo Pereira missing was pretty big as well yeah um I also think that the pitch favored City heavily here. I don't think PSG, you know, Neymar had a few spurts, but Neymar is a player that, you know, will want to get his foot on the ball, kind of like Mara's in a way, and try and, you know, embarrass you a little bit. But that's, hey, that's how he makes his money, and and it's effective for him. Uh, You know, Verratti was slipping and sliding all over the place. Uh, It just, Marquinhos and Kempembe looked a little out of sync today, which was really odd to see. But a credit to credit to City, they uh they uh, they you know they Pep had a good game plan today. Yeah. And it, and for the first time in a while in the Champions League, we're saying that about him. So, Will, do you have anything else left on the City PSG tie? We're gonna see City in their first Champions League final. Um. Yeah. I I completely agree. Pep didn't overthink it, which was fantastic. Um. You know he could he could have been persuaded to play three at the back or going with you know something weird up top, but. At the same time... He did do something weird up top. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean. He could have put three up top that weren't forward right. or something like that. But yeah, at the same time, PSG just shot themselves in the foot. You know, Angel Di Maria is one of their best, most influential players. Probably their player of the first leg, honestly. And he yeah. does something so petulant and stupid um, to stamp on somebody. He uh, missed a chance, too, on an Ederson open goal. Yep. And I'm telling Marquinhos you what... Marquinhos hit the bar. It, they could have finished with eight men. There were... Two or three more tackles that I thought should have been, they should have been gone. Um, so Pochettino has some work to do in the, inside the dressing room. He's got the talent on the pitch to win these kind of games, but man, there's nothing between the ears right now. Yeah, I I completely agree. The good thing is it's Pochettino's first six months in charge, and he got him to a semifinal. So yep. you know PSG was a team kind of like City that can never get past the round of sixteen, <laughs> let alone the last eight. Yep. So now they got focus to focus on the league. Yeah, they're a point behind uh, Leo, which we'll mention maybe later. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we'll jump to tomorrow's game, Real Madrid and Chelsea. We kind of did a little bit of a, uh, or a semi-preview. It finished 1-1. Uh, Brent, uh, Benzema scored for Real Madrid, Pulisic for Chelsea. It is at the bridge, Will. What are some things that you're going to be looking out of from both camps here? I don't care which side you start with first. Well, first off, I want to start with Real Madrid. Do they get those key players back? Is Sergio Ramos, is Varane in that back line? Um, can they keep that tempo ticking out of the back? I know Militao's been in good form recently. I know you have the likes of Nacho back there, but 
Those guys aren't the ones to spring the counterattack or, or even keep the possession ticking across back and forth to then find Modric or Kroos in the pocket and then release them. Um, so I think they need a little bit of that maturity. On the other side, I'm wondering if Tuchel just stays with his with his guns. You know, This weekend was the first time that all those mega signings started at the same time. They came out, they got a, a good performance. Last week, Pulisic does a great job. He only plays 60 minutes, but he puts in the, a good shift and is a difference maker. Um, and we can't forget, this Chelsea team is, is very good at defending. Yeah, I'm looking from the Real Madrid camp. I'm interested to see the formations that on rolls with, regardless of players. I'd be not surprised if he went with uh, starting 4-3-3, but went to a 3-4-3. Uh, and, you know, maybe has... Uh, who is I don't I can't I can't think of the right back. Uh, Car- if Carvajal plays as like a wing back like he did with Marcelo, which just didn't work, maybe he'll play Fede Valverde in that right back or right wing back role. I'm excited. Well, excited. I'm curious to see if he goes with Asensio, who's been in good form, where he might play. Uh, if he does go to like a three four three, or if he just sticks with his typical four three three, um. And also, I think that Vinicius Jr. has to come alive if he's if he plays. Benzema this season has done too much to where he's obviously going to be looked for uh, and probably marked by Thiago Silva heavily. Vinny has got to make a difference here for Real Madrid if they want to give themselves a chance. Now, the good thing for both teams here is that whoever gets the first goal, they only need one more goal uh, to make it a two-legged tie. Uh, which I think would favor Chelsea a little bit here as they've gotten the away goal first. Whoever scores first, I know it's cliche, it's going to mean the most. Real Madrid is a team where they're going to want to put you to sleep if they get the first goal. I don't think Chelsea are as potent as Real Madrid are. They have the talent to definitely do it, but I don't think Warner is going to play, I would assume, off of his form. I think you'll see a Mount, Havertz, and Pulisic front three. Uh, whether it's a, a a diamond from Mount to two up front or a, a a two pivot to a Pulisic up front. Uh, and also I think, you know, Jorginho and Conte, they both ran it last game. Are they going to be able to, or are they going to be ready to run that again? Um, and also whoever, I think Chilwell is important to them. I don't think that he has to necessarily be a wing back. So like I said, with that first away goal. So I think there's a lot of interesting things that Tuchel is going to have to tinker with. And, you know, he does do that a lot. Um, and also, I think Zidane's going to have to show why he's underrated as a manager and can get Real Madrid to another final. Yeah, and I think you put it well. Chelsea has the all the talent in the world to win this, it's even to win the final, I'd argue. But do they have the experience and the know-all to get there? Um, and that's something that this Real Madrid team has a lot of. They have the experience. They know how to exactly put your put your opponent to sleep once you're in the advantage. Um they're extremely well managed. They have probably six different international captains on the field at any given moment. Moment, they they've been there before. They want to do it again. Um, I will say another kind of a key battle will be between the posts. You know, you got Courtois on one end who's been playing out of his mind, and then you also have Edouard Mendy who's growing into that position. Well, has a bunch of clean sheets already this season, but is good for an error or two, um, and. You know, Courtois is good for being left out to dry once or twice, depending on who's in front of him. So, should be an interesting match. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if we predicted last week. I will have Real Madrid going through, though. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna pick uh, Real Madrid to go through. 
Yeah. I think uh I think two nil. Okay. Will be the score. I don't know if it'll be a comfortable two nil. You might have like an early goal and Real Madrid might get one right away and then just and and by kill the game off, th- that could either mean just stay in possession for fifty minutes. Yeah. Uh from first to second half, uh with maybe a slip up or two. Um, I, I remember who I was thinking of. Uh, it wasn't right back. It was left back. I'm excited to see Furlan Mendy where he plays, if he does play at all. Because right. Marcelo did not look Marcelo did not look good against Chelsea. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say that was the so, worst player on the pitch. Which is uh, weird to say, as, as he's been a, a very good servant. Obviously, we talked about him a lot. But if you've got nothing else, Will, we're going to look for a Real Madrid and City final. It's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think anything can go wrong with that kind of matchup. So... Well, let's jump into that Europa you League. Would, let's let's figure out some more yeah. interesting, interesting battles. Yeah, the uh, the the first one we'll, we'll we'll talk about quickly, as it was one of my headlines: Manchester United thrash Roma six two. I say this because they've beaten Roma seven one before in the Champions League. Uh, you'll probably remember Will Ronaldo's flying header uh, at the Olympo Stadion, or I don't know if it's the Olympo Stadion, wherever Roma plays, way back in six oh seven or whatever. Yep. Olympico, Olympico. Yep. German, Italian, same thing. Um, <laughs> well, Hertha Berling, one end of the table. No. Uh, it was a, a, a very weird game, to say the least. Uh, I texted you 6-2, wow, and you said United needs center backs. I was like, well, that was the wrong response I was looking <laughs> from you, Will. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you know, United got caught out early. I believe it went early. Uh, I'm actually going to not believe. I'm going to tell you. Uh, you had uh, Edin Dzeko... Or excuse me, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini in the in the fifteenth minute. Uh, Bruno Fernandez took it uh, in the ninth minute to start it off, but Jacko came back to bite United. He just loves playing against United, man, and I don't understand it. Uh, he scored in the thirty third minute to make it two one. They went into halftime down. Um, I wasn't able to watch it, or most of it. I obviously watched the highlights as they're released literally a millisecond after the game ends. Uh, props to UCBS, but two uh, one going into halftime. It was a position where in the Premier League, well, if we're playing someone out of the top six, I'm like, okay, like for a Brighton example, I'm like, okay, the goals will come somewhere. But as you get further into these competitions, you don't feel as strongly. Um, well, based on the scoreline, I should have felt perfectly fine. But, you know, this is a, a time where if you're even in Champions League, Europa League, wherever, even in a World Cup, even uh, unless you're Germany and Brazil, uh, you're normally you know, a little worried going down in half. Uh, United being at home, we know we're not as confident on it. If this was away, we'd be like, all right, fine, we'll expect a 6-2. I did not expect a 6-2 at home. Right. But United just lit it up in the second half. Um, to be fair to Roma, I don't think some of their goals were... Uh, I think the keeper had a, a few saves where he just kind of put him back to a Cavani or, or someone like that. Some of them weren't the greatest goals. But listen, six goals is six goals. Uh, I know Greenwood's finish was deflected and, and kind of went past uh, Marante as Pau Gomez went out early. Uh, I don't really think that made too much of a difference. I know you texted me they need center backs, Will, but do you have any other takeaways here? Yeah, I, I think it was a little bit of, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, like, they came out really lax, really unorganized. And when I say they need center backs because... Lindelof is just targeted repeatedly. I mean, if you're any other manager going against United, you know, put your best out-and-out center forward on Lindelof, and you'll be fine. You'll get chances. Um, 
And that might also go with, you know, the intelligence of Harry Maguire. Maybe Maguire doesn't help out as much as he should. Um, but luckily, United was able to flip it on their heads and, and really go after him. I think, you know, I think Roma ended up subbing out three players due to injury. Three starters, and they were already... Ferratou was in there, Pau uh, Lopez. Yeah, um, their goalkeeper. And I don't, I don't remember the other... Yeah, the goal, yeah, Pau Lopez. I mean... Um, it, it was it was shocking to see that part, and that's why I don't Spinazzola. think... Yeah, Spinazzola. Yeah, Spinazzola. Um, that's why I'm, I'm not betting on Roma to come back and make this a game. Neither at, am I. <laughs> at the same time, Roma scored three or more goals five times this season. So I don't want to see United just put the kids in and say, go have fun. We still need to be professional about it. I'm still expecting a 2-0 result just to clean it up, get it off the park, and, and prep for that final. Yeah, I mean, it's not where... You know, I'm gonna see a starting lineup with Solo Shotar and Ahmed Diallo. Right. I mean, I'd expect to see Bruno take a seat. I'd be fine with that. Give Donny a start, most definitely. Uh, I'd like to see maybe uh, Greenwood. Maybe even uh, is Martial fit? I don't even know. No, if, he's, if he's Martial's still, even he's fit. He's gone until June. Um, I'd like to see definitely some rotation. You know, Matic will be in there. Get Tuan Zebe in there, Juan Mata in there, get a Dan James in there, a Tellez. You don't need everyone like that, but I think you still got to keep, you know, Maguire, a Fred or a McTominay. Pogba will definitely be in there. I just don't think you need, you know, all your 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 starters in there. Like Rashford shouldn't see more than, if he plays 45 minutes, Bruno shouldn't play. Cavani, I can see them starting probably. Or even Greenwood. Right. Uh one of them, if they start, take them off after 60 minutes. I don't expect to see uh, uh, an extremely firepowering Manchester United lineup. I agree. Yep. Who do you put in goal? Uh, if if De Gea's been in all year, just keep him. I don't think it, it really means anything. I think your final is where Ole's going to make a bigger decision. That's what I think this is a lead and, up to. Yeah, and so I, I think you go with De Gea in a final. I don't think you go Dean just yet. You've given him a lot of big games. You know, he's had uh, obviously a, a good stretch of Premier League starts. But I think you just got to let the Haya ride it out and say, hey, this is your farewell tour. Yeah. And he did start at home last weekend, so or last week against Roma. So I can see it. It'll be an interesting right. interesting decision. I don't think you can go wrong either way. Right, I'm. I'm not nervous, right. but in the final, in the final, I'd like to see De Gea. Yeah, uh, as he has been arguably the best keeper in the world at, uh, for two to three years at some point in his United career. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dean Henderson uh, looks like he's going to have that spot locked down. It's just who's going to be the next man up after him in a in a year or two. Yep. So, we'll move on to a a very fun matchup though. Will one that I was very excited for and was one of my headlines last week. Arsenal fans will just got to be careful what they wish for. They go to Villarreal, the yellow submarine. I think their stadium is so cool. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the highlights, but Villarreal did get a 2-1 to one victory over Arsenal. Very happy to see. Uh, we talked about, Will, this Villarreal team coming out and really hurting Arsenal. This game should have been 5-0 by halftime. I don't know if you saw any of the highlights, but... I mean, a player you mentioned, Chukwueze, just had free reign anywhere over the attacking third. Um, Raul Albiol, a name that I haven't heard of in in years, just outleaping Gabriel, Rob Holding, 
and getting a goal there. I don't know if you heard after their goals, their stadium announcer still is there. He is absolutely having a blast. He, I mean, you can hear him screaming through the through the audio there, and there's no fans there. Um, an interesting lineup. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about uh, lineup-wise from Villarreal, but when you look at, at Arsenal, Will, very interesting. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe leading the line, Saka, Odegaard, Pepe, uh, and then Thomas and Ceballos is the double pivot. And I said it last week, Will, if your starting left back is Granit Xhaka, you're just not going to win a game. Yeah, and, and like I said, Sammy Chukwueze, oh my. He made Xhaka yeah. look like a bad <laughs> left back. Well, everyone does. I mean, but... <laughs> a proper Sunday league player is what Jaka looked like last week. Um, and I feel bad for him. I don't know what's wrong with Cedric Suarez, you know, or Hector Bellerin. Worst comes to worst, you put them in and, and make them, you know, live on their left foot a little bit. You also have Shaka or uh, uh, Saka in there. Saka. Why not flip him back and, and move Danny Ceballos up in that, you know, that cam roll? Um, or play Aubameyang or Lacazette. I don't know if they were fit or not. Yeah, Aubameyang came on. Um, Willian came on. Right, right. So you can slide Willian in there and move uh, or put Smith Rowe to where he should be playing and start Aubameyang or Lacazette. Yeah, I, I, I'm really puzzled by this this Jaka's, uh debacle. Um, I, I'm trying to like remember if Guardiola ever did that with one of his CDMs, but he didn't. Um, he always would move outside backs into the CDM role, not the other way around. Right. Because he knows that they right. don't have pace. Kimmich, Kimmich and Alaba. Yeah. Or, or you know, Philip Lom is probably the first one that I saw real, really, you know, right. sell at it. Right. Um, Zanetti's in there, but he's not Guardiola. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, Shock is not any of those guys that we just mentioned. <laughs> I wasn't trying to compare them, Will. Come on. Oh, I know. So, definitely interesting. I think it's, it's going to be a, a test of Will. I mean, Arteta also got burned because his loanee signing, Danny Ceballos, was an idiot and got a straight red. Um... So now you're kind of left with, well, we have a, a CDM playing left back, and we just lost one of our CDMs. Where do we go from here? Um, and in terms of the depth chart, you don't really have a lot to slide into that CDM role. Um, so he might be forced to play his hand. Of, he's going to have to play Mohamed El Neni, Will. Yep. He's going to be forced which, to play his hand on it. Which going home down to one, uh, I don't think your chances are very great uh and and even from the Villarreal side will uh I mean Gerard I said at the beginning Gerard Moreno and Paco Alcacer they were looking like Messi and David Villa of 2011 like the amount of chances they had I know Moreno was kind of messing around in the box at one point with the amount of space he had I think he he should have taken it on his right try to switch it to his left or maybe vice versa but they had so many chances When, when you're looking at the stats uh, it, it's pretty clear how many they had. Nine shots, six on target. Uh, to f- be fair to Arsenal, they had nine shots and two on target. I was surprised to see Arsenal down in possession, but I think it's because when they're having to go for it late in the game, Villarreal can sit back, and I don't think they were really pressured at all by Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal's goal was a PK. It seems like how they've gotten almost half their goals this year. Um, so... You know, Unai Emery is going to go back to the Emirates, Will, and and he's going to be smiling, looking to go into a final. Yeah, I think with his experience, he's already taken multiple teams to finals um, in his career for the Europa League. This is his trophy. Um, 
I think you're going to see a master class at the Emirates and Arteta's going to need to get his notebook out. Um, so I think an undervalued squad, let's be honest, this Villarreal side does not stack up in cost comparison to this Arsenal team. But I think they're going to have what it takes to knock them out. I would love to see a Juan Foyth goal. That's all I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> He's the He played right back. He's you know the Spurs loney. Yeah. Uh, so he's gonna he's gonna go into the Emirates, get probably tons of text messages from from uh, his Spurs teammates saying, "Please get some revenge for us this year." Yeah. Well, I'd love to see Paul <laughs> so, Torres uh, put one away as well. He's been heavily linked with multiple top teams in Europe, including United. He looks. Yeah. He looks twenty three Spanish center back now. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Etienne Capu, or uh, is it Etienne Capu? Yeah, Etienne Correct, Capu. or is it Coquelin? No, Etienne Capu is suspended. Yeah, Capu. Capu, all right. Okay, he had, oh, well, never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Coquelin, he's still available yeah. to play, though. Yeah, Coquelin, hopefully uh, he'll get a goal, too. Him and Foyth, I'm calling it 2-0. <laughs> okay. I'm, what do you say? I'm going to go uh, 2-1 in favor of Real. They just edge out. Arsenal probably throw the throw the kitchen sink at it and get caught. All right. Well, as long as you have Arsenal going out as well as me, that's all I care about. Yep. So we'll jump to some Premier League stuff here, Will. Uh, uh, this is where our interesting week of football comes back into place here. As many of you heard, and Will, I'm going to let you take the rain here. Uh, I was watching Arsenal and Newcastle. Or was it Arsenal and Newcastle? Yep, yep. I believe. Yep. It was Arsenal and Newcastle's around the 17th minute, and all of a sudden I hear uh, Rebecca Lowe the NBC Sports uh, host, you can say. Uh, she goes to the double screen, and uh, there is pandemonium, chaos, whatever word you want to say, going on at Old Trafford. Uh, fans uh, were storming the field. They broke through. There was thousands of protesters at the United Hotel, where United was staying, uh, by the gate where United's team bus enters, by the, the huge soccer ball uh, on the floor, uh, I don't know which end that is. It's the east end. Uh, I don't. It's the east end, so not the Stratford end, correct? Correct. So, uh, there was uh, fans on the field that charged in. One guy was throwing the NBC Sports camera stuff, which was crazy. Uh, but will I'll let you kind of give some backstory and some information on this as they were mentioning that this was something that was planned in the papers in England for about a week now. Yeah. Um, I believe last week, uh, Monday or Tuesday, there were fan demonstrations at Carrington, the training facility for Manchester United, where they approached Michael Carrick and Oligola Solskjaer. Um, also, Dar- Darren Fletcher was there. Um, and they, they, luckily, all those staff members talked to the fans, calmed them down a little bit. Um, but there was clear frustrations after that Super League debacle. Um, it was- yeah, I was going to say, Will, do you want to explain also that this isn't about the uh, the players or the coaches right, as well. Right, yeah. The, the fans are clearly not demonstrating about the players or, or the coaching staff. Um, they're, they're demonstrating about the ownership, um, including the Glazers. Um, there's, a, there's a conglomerate of, I believe there's four brothers who, who own major, st- uh, major shares of the club. Um, they bought back in 2005, ever since they've been bankrolling the club, and there's about $1.5 billion in... American dollars in debt from how they've been operating uh, this publicly traded club. 
Um, a lot of people are fed up with it and they want to go to the German model. And after this, this charades of the Super League, uh, it was the final straw and organizers came together Wednesday night and said, we're going to put together a mass protest, put together or anticipate, you know, eight to 10,000 fans outside of Old Trafford on Sunday to show the Glazers that we want this club sold back to the fans, back to its owners. Um, and you have to remember this, these United ultras almost are, are, are not irregular to this. They've had these kind of demonstrations before. There was a faction of fans that actually split off from United and created a new club who is currently in the seventh division of England. Um, they're called is FC, that Salford? FC United. Uh, um, never mind. <laughs> there's also the the green and yellow um, demonstrations, um, which is a, a when they were in the seventies and eighties. Those were their colors. Yeah. When or, or was or is that at the very beginning? That was with Newton Heath of United. That was that was a Newton right, Heath. Newton Heath. Um, where they were on the other side of the city, um, but that's where United got their roots from. They changed. They moved across to the west side of the city, um, so. There's a whole lot of history to these supporters being very adamant about their involvement in the club, and now it's kind of boiled over. The demonstrations got very heated. Now, the original people who put this together have come out and said that they wanted a peaceful protest, but a loud protest that everybody could see and hear. They condone all the violence. Obviously, we condone the violence. Um, people shouldn't be getting hurt in these demonstrations. These are meant to get attention, not get you know injuries or... Um, embarrassment embarrassment right because it took away from the message and i think the media did a really good job of of parsing the two um gary neville and jamie Carragher did a really spot-on job again two weeks in a row i can't believe it um (laughs) they they did a really good job of saying look there's some idiots out there we know that we don't condone that they should be you know found for prosecuted prosecuted for prison for for uh for you know Public indecency and and trespassing, all that stuff. But the ones who are there doing the right thing should be recognized, and the owners should hear it. Now, is anything going to change? I don't think so. But this could also not be the end of it. Um, And I think suspending or postponing one of the biggest games in football across the world on a Sunday afternoon, um, that's one way to get at the owner's wallets. Yeah, number one, what you just mentioned, I believe that they were saying on on NBC that this is like the first time ever a game has been postponed for something like this. Now, there was also a little bit of um, trouble because a fan did get in the COVID bubble. Mm -hmm. A fan did get in the dressing room, so that had a little bit to do with it as well. Soccer balls were stolen. Right, uh, corner, flags. corner flags were stolen. You know, I will give the the internet is always undefeated. Will uh, I saw a, a tweet of uh, one of the kids holding the flag and said, "This dude's Monday uh, for show and tell is going to be off the charts." Uh, there was a guy that did like a bicycle kick, and it, they made it like a, someone memed it as like the new Premier League logo. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, there was a kid hanging on the crossbar of uh, of one of the goals and was like, hey, mate, I'll be on FIFA in a minute, just at the Theater of Dreams. Like, there was some funny memes. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. But yeah. what this really was, in my opinion, was more so uh, unfortunately embarrassing. I was really annoyed that on my Sunday, waking up for the biggest game of the week, and not only is this the biggest game of the week, well, if United win, it still keeps City off the title. 
So that's the first thing, number one. Number two, it's Liverpool. Like I've said, we don't want to see Liverpool win. This is big for United to get in stride. Now, this might help them midweek. They didn't have to play some other guys. Well, we kind of talked about they don't need it midweek, but it is another week rest, you could say, I guess. Um, but like I said, also, I don't know if you saw, like, on the outside, there was, unfortunately, some police interruptions that were were not dealt with well, unfortunately, that they didn't want to get to. Um, so I I was more so embarrassed and not only to mention they ran on the field well, there was a second protest where fans came back in. The first one lasted about 15 minutes. They did what they had to do, and they all left. They did. Right. And they then the second anything. one, they, they didn't destroy they, anything. Well, no, the, yeah, the second one, they yeah. didn't take anything. They didn't destroy the second one. There was more so just people going on, like, the chairs and the banners and filtering through. The, there was, well, no, no, the, the, second, all, the second one's where they, they, they took stuff. The first one, they didn't do anything. They walked out. They went to the Sky Sports camera. And they they demonstrated. They started, you know. No, but they. uh, But I thought they also took some of the balls and and the corner flag from the first one. The second one, I didn't see them make it to the field. No, no, it was. There were two demonstrations on the field. Um, The first one, they came and they left, and then there was a second instance where they came, and then they backed up into the stadium, but they stayed. Okay. Um, The first one was. It's come out, and like you said, the internet's undefeated, but it's also very murky. The first one yes. was, was very organized. They they broke in, they went out on the field, and then that whole group actually left. Now, on their way out, more people saw that there was a gates open, They and they proceeded to come in, and those are the people who were more rambunctious or more free to um, pursue other interests yeah. than just protest. Yeah, they, were th- they threw flares toward like the NBC box. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I'm assuming you were watching all of it. I mean, Arlo White had to like leave his his gantry. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> I, the referee or who was there? I don't remember who the ref was going to be. He was told not even to like come in the doors or right. show up yet. Uh, I mean, and, and another thing, all of, yeah, and like another Michael Oliver, and then another thing too. Well, the Man United players didn't get to leave the hotel for like four hours. Right. Um, yeah, like, that was their coach the was just. Yeah, like they, there, it must have been so weird as a United player. And the other thing too, apparently they're talking about points deduction, which is where I think it gets really embarrassing. Yeah, of, of, of that they're even having to talk about that for these actions. Yeah, I think, I think the Premier League would be extremely naive to do that. Um, I think to go that route, you will see multiple teams do something like this because United isn't the only one in this little issue where they've where they've been bankrolled where they've been taken advantage of um arsenal's in that same issue newcastle's in the same issue you could even argue the likes of burnley were in that issue and then recently got bought out these are the kind of clubs that are going to experience these kind of protests maybe not as severe maybe not as as noticeable obviously you know nbcsn basically stopped showing the arsenal game because there were protests. Nah, I was at fine with that. <laughs> I, I, but it shows there's levels to this. And United is the biggest right. club in England, and they're going to get this attention. If the Premier League comes out and they do something stupid and do something over the top, when the fans last week were you know demonstrating about the Super League hand in hand with them, I don't know, man. I think it could leave a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. But let's move on to some actual soccer, though, Will, because there honestly wasn't. Uh, a whole lot primarily wise this week that uh, we were going to have a special guest this week, but unfortunately the game uh, between United and Liverpool didn't happen. So be on the lookout for next week when we do have a guest. 
uh, we'll, we'll mention that uh, next week. But, Will, one of my topics was that the bottom three, it's pretty much set for relegation. Sheffield, we already know, is out. West Brom drew with Wolves, which does not put them in a great place. It puts them on 26 points. And Fulham, they lost to Chelsea, put them on 27. There's now a nine-point gap between them and Newcastle with only four weeks left. It's it's pretty much guaranteed now that, that these three are going down. Do you agree? Yeah, and with the results around them as well, the likes of Southampton getting a point, just, just slightly eking themselves further away. You have the likes of Danny Welbeck's masterclass um, turn against Leeds, um, just giving them a little bit more momentum to also pull away. It's it's starting to take shape. I don't see a way back for any of these these lesser teams. Um, I don't see Newcastle slipping up. I know they they lost to a really bad Arsenal team, but nine points is too much. Right it, now. It's too much, and there's not enough goals coming from Fulham. There's not enough goals coming from West Brom to keep them afloat. Most definitely, but some stuff to look out for before we touch on one last Premier League game. Well, there's only, like I said, about three or four weeks left now of the season. Next week, we have Leicester and Newcastle, Leeds, Tottenham. We've got City or Man City and Chelsea, uh, Man United, Aston Villa. But when you're looking at the bottom, you've got Arsenal, West Brom, Fulham, Burnley, and Crystal Palace, Sheffield United. Not that many of those games will matter. Will, do you have any games you want to touch on before I touch on uh, Tottenham and uh, Sheffield? Yeah, the West Ham United-Everton game I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch. You have two teams fighting for that top four or even that top six spot um, now with the likes of Spurs turning on a little bit. But West Ham's in good form. We talk about them seemingly every week with Lean Gardino and Thomas Suchek. <laughs> um, at the same time, Everton has found a little bit of a, a rough patch here, three draws in a row in the league, um, but they still have the great you know, strike partnership of Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. So I think these two are going to really lock horns and go at it. And then the other one, obviously that, that City-Chelsea game it could be a, a Champions League final preview. We, we don't know what's going to happen in the midweek, um, but that could really be an interesting watch to see how those two coaches go at it. They're both tactical geniuses. What about you? No, most definitely. I mean, United and Aston Villa, I'm going to look forward to, of course. Um, and, the, and the two games you mentioned, uh, West Ham is on, uh, West Ham Everton's on Sunday. Yep. After the main United Everton game, I have this Sunday off, so I'm going to get a double header, which I'm excited for. But, well, this week we had a, we had a Ryan Mason masterclass, 4 0 victors over Sheffield. Now, I know it's Sheffield, but with this game, well, I'm segueing into moment of the week. Gareth Bale hat trick, first hat trick in eight years uh, since 2012. Uh, he also had uh, he also got Sonny an assist, I believe, or yep. I don't know. But anyways, he had three goals. Will and if you remember at the very beginning of our pod, way back months ago, I said put it down in your books, bet your house on it. Gareth Bale, 15 goals and assists this season, and he's now on 17 with his performance. Very happy to see that is my moment of the week. Made Sheffield look real silly, and I'm just really happy about all of it, to be honest. I don't probably think he'll stay, as I think he already said. He's pretty much going back to Real Madrid, but that's my moment of the week, Will. What about you? Yeah, my moment of the week is, is just the protest, and I think the biggest thing I want to focus on is, you know, take take the police actions out of it, take the the repercussions that are going to come out of it, but I think the media's coverage of it was actually quite fair. Something like this could have gotten out of hand, gone the other way. I was listening to a, a United podcast this, this afternoon, and, and they said it really well. You know, 20, 30 years ago, 
you know, everybody in the media would have been calling for the hooligans to be locked up and put away for years. Or, you know, United be shut down and, and, and you know, 30-point deductions and all this stuff. And I think we're in a day and age where these things are just going to happen more often. Is, is it right? Is it wrong? That's not my decision. That's not, you know, for this podcast. But I think the media did a really good job of showing, hey, this is a fan issue. And it's a fan issue with the owners, like you said, not with the coaches, not with the players, not with the the lesser staff. You know, the the people who keep the club ticking over. This is with the people who own it, who who have their Run name it. next to it, right? They're they're not prideful <laughs> yes. owners. They're um, they're just somebody, money makers. They're just somebody with United in their pocket. So I think my moment of the week is the fair coverage and the conversations that are starting to take place now at the likes of United, at the likes of Arsenal with. Spotify's owner putting in a bid at the likes of you know Newcastle, who almost got bought out by, I believe, two different families from Saudi Arabia um, in the past two years. These these things are starting to take shape. They're starting to, I don't know, be understood a little bit more. Most definitely. Well, well, let's go into some quick MLS talk here. Um, I'm gonna let you lead the line with this one, as you're more of an MLS connoisseur than I am. Yeah, so there were some interesting matches. Um, obviously, as a, as a Columbus Crew fan, I was anxious to see how the crew would react from their CONCACAF um, tie in midweek. They go down to Montreal as Montreal's playing in Miami as a part of the bubble. They're, they're, nobody's traveling to Canada um, as of right now from the MLS. So they go down, they play in a 90-degree day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They looked really poor. Um, I actually you know, tried to turn it off after about 60 minutes. Uh, it was probably one of the worst games I've watched in MLS for quite a while. Um, but it just shows, you know, you can have a, a second or, or a you know, hangover from your, your championship season. Um, but in other news, you know, we got the likes. It's two that, games in, though, as well. Two games in, yeah. Um, they're still, you know, by ESPN's power rankings, they're still ranked third, I believe. I think it's a little high for me. I'd put them closer to sixth or seventh right now. They're just not ticking right. They're just not going forward enough and getting enough goals. Um, but some other really good games and some, some great young prospects coming through the ranks. Um, the likes of San Jose beating D.C. United. You have Cade Cowell, who's a 17-year-old striker for the San Jose Earthquakes. He's already being tipped as that next guy for the number nine jerseys for the U.S. He's he's destroying it right now. Um, so he's come on. So was that kid, hopefully you'll mention here in the in another game. There's another one coming from New York Red Bulls. As, Thank you. As Kate our, and Clark. Our young our young. Uh, future center attacking midfielder um, put on a show against the Chicago Fire. Now, Chicago was also really poor. I'm not going to lie to you there. <laughs> um, but you have the likes of New England winning as they soar in the. I I'd put them as you know either one or two in the rankings right now. Atlanta comes in that four or five spot. So that was a, a really good grudge match. Orlando City's finding a way with Luis Nani on the score sheet again. Um, he's been lighting it up. Yeah, he's been in fantastic form. Uh, Austin FC getting a win over Minnesota. I think it's going to be a rough year for Minnesota. Um, and then finally we have the likes of Inter getting a draw against Nashville. Obviously some some young teams there. And then Seattle Sounders, for me, best team in the MLS, beating the absolute pulp out of LA Galaxy. We thought Chucharito was back and he couldn't get anything done. Um, yeah. And then Colorado wrapped it up with a 1-0 over Vancouver. So it's it's starting to pick up a little pace. We're starting to see a little bit of the rest get knocked off um, as a lot of these teams have already put in four or five games, including friendlies or 
as we're going to talk about later, the CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, so we'll move on to some of our miscellaneous categories. Sorry, I don't have much to say on the MLS this week. Um, the first big one, Inter Milan, Will, was one of your headlines. So once again, I'll let you, I'll let you take it away here as I'll jump in secondhand. Yeah, so we, we talk about some teams with having misfit toys or you know the, the rebound players. For me, Inter Milan is the culmination of a bunch of guys who are chasing titles. You have the likes of Romelu Lukaku. You have like some Mateo Darmian, Alexis Sanchez. You could even say Ashley Young. Ashley, yeah, Ashley Young. Although he he did win some things at United. <laughs> They're all United. Uh, They're all United. That's why. Uh, Christian Eriksen, another one from Spurs, who finally gets to put something in his trophy cabinet. Um, so all these guys came together. They put together a good season. I know we absolutely ragged ragged them over after they got dropped from the from Europe altogether, but I think that did help them in the long run. Um, they were able to get quite clear. They have, I believe, four games in hand, and they won the league on 82 points with the best goal difference so far, and they've only lost twice in the league. We, we talked about it in other leagues with the likes of Atleti um, and even Liverpool from last year. That loss column is super important when you're getting to that last 10 weeks, and Inter just didn't let up. Every every chance they got, they got that point rather than, than letting it all slip, so... Yeah, and this is another this is another side will where all of these games were pretty convincing when they're winning. Yes, it might be a two 0 like it was this week with Cretone, but I mean Cretone didn't have a sniff on goal mm-hmm. from the highlights I saw. Uh, even from the statistics, we'll tell you some other guys in there that I want to you know mention as well. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi, you know, moving to Inter who we all, you know, said was this massive sign at only $35 million. He's even jumped up more in his price tag. Uh, Lataro Martinez really finding his form last year. You know, we, we he was kind of like uh, Dybala was a few years ago, where we all know the talent he has, but when is he going to show it? He did it this year with Lukaku. Nicolo Borella, one of my favorite midfielders, He's on loan from Cagliari. He's going to sign a permanent with Inter, most definitely. You've got Stefano Sensi moving from uh, Sassuolo over to Inter. You have in the back line a young player like Bastoni, who's going to be at this Inter side for a long time. So there's a lot of good pieces that this Inter side have that are going to, you know, giving the likes of Juventus, uh, Napoli, Atalanta, and... uh, uh, now even Roma, because I'll mention them in a second here, run for their money. Uh, and if Conte stays, or if he doesn't stay, they're still going to have a lot of talent in this Inter side. Yeah, and I think if you think about where some of these signings were thought of at the time, we thought, oh, Christian Eriksen, massive downstep in his career from coming from Spurs. Romelu and you Lukaku, see a 20 million price tag. Right. Romelu Lukaku, what a downgrade from United. Akraf Hakimi, you're leaving, you know, the championship Europe to go play at Inter. What are you doing? And I'd argue all three of these players have had they've had their lows, but when they've been rebuilt and you know educated a little bit more by Conte, they're worth even more now. They're even better players. Right. Lukaku is no longer a kick it to him and let him barge around. He knows how to play the game. He he can play that center forward role better than almost anybody in Europe. Yeah. Um, having yeah. 31 goal contributions in 33 matches is no no slouch. 
So I think right. a lot of credit has to go to uh, Conte and also to these misfit toys to put in the work to make it happen. Most definitely. But, Will, there's a side here, A.S. Roma, we've already mentioned. Jose Mourinho announced today that he's going to be coaching them. I don't even know where to begin with this one with you, Will. I don't know if we can dive into it too much. He's just a manager of Roma now for next season. I cannot wait to see what happens here. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, a lot of the... And I'm not saying that nicely, necessarily. <laughs> a lot of the Serie A podcast hosts were, were thinking that, you know, Rizzo Sarri was going to sign on and it was going to be a, a huge, you know, wave of emotion since he used to coach, you know, Napoli, Napoli. And, and, and Juve. But they get an even bigger wild card in what Jose Mourinho can bring. Um, the likes of Chris Smalling and Henrik Mkhitaryan are already there from their days at Man U. I'm sure they dodged that. He knows boat. Pedro. He knows Pedro from Chelsea. Yep. So it's going to be interesting. I wonder if he can eventually roll over as a new dog with new tricks. But I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe the Serie A is the place for him. It might be, and you know, I think with him, I kind of texted you. He has no pressure with this Roma side. He can exceed some expectations here if he gets him into a fourth or fifth place. Or a cup final. I don't think – or a cup final. Right. I don't think he has much to lose here. I really don't. I think it's the the Leicester City essentially of, of Syria in that they're right in that top six. But by – they're like a small market in a, in a big pond essentially. Yeah. You know? I, I He's not going to have all the media around him with the other teams there. I think it's perfect for him. I'd even argue they're like the Arsenal. Um, there you go. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the Arsenal of, of Italy because they have a great history. You you know there are players that are just iconic for them, like Totti. You, you have Totti for Roma. You have, Rossi. You have Van Persie or Fabregas or Thierry Henry for, for Arsenal. All players you know, boom, that's who you label it with. But at the same time, they've just been so ragged and, and bad in the last... I don't know, decade, um, that they're really just on their last whimpers and their last fumes of, hey, we used to be really good. Right. We're going to move to La Liga, Will, one of our last topics here. The title race is still extremely tight. You've got Atletico on 76, Real Madrid and Barca on 74, Sevilla still on 70. Uh, We did our predictions last week, so if you guys want to hear how we labeled it uh, for our top three, you can go back and listen uh, at the weekend, you saw Real Madrid and uh, and Barcelona getting wins. Barca 3-2 victors over Valencia. Real Madrid 2-0 winners over Osasuna. Atletico 1-0 over Eche. But, Will, the story here is that a week ago, Barcelona lost to Granada 2-1. And if Manchester United can take care of business at Granada, I don't know what's going on with Barcelona. Yeah, I, <laughs> I really... I really thought this Barca team—they'd be in gonna... first place right now if they won that. By the way, right? I was really thinking this Barca team was going to just put on the afterburners and and tell those two Madrid sides to watch and learn, but they still just show that little bit of immaturity or insecurity, maybe. Um, that you know, with such an old squad, I, I didn't expect that. You know, once they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps, I was expecting them to just march on. And they haven't. They they do keep stumbling, and I, I'll only say it keeps it interesting. I love it. Most definitely. Well, I don't have much on La Liga besides that, so I want to jump to Bundesliga, and we'll wrap it up here. Well, 
Some interesting matchups coming up this week, Will. We have Dortmund and Leipzig, arguably the biggest game of the rest of the season. You can say for title purposes. You have Mönchengladbach versus Bayern. You have Wolfsburg and Union Berlin. Uh, Eintracht, Frankfurt, and Mainz. And then at the bottom of the table, you have Hertha and Armenia. You've got Cologne and Freiburg. Bundesliga is just going to go down to the last day again. Isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's as is tradition here, um, and I think it offers a lot of very interesting games. Um, while I do think Bayern is is kind of out and away there, um, I I can't tell you who I'm betting on for those next four spots. I know Leverkusen's five points off adrift from Dortmund. I know Mutian Gladbach's even further back, but these teams are playing each other on the way in. And anything can happen. An injury, uh, a, a misfortune, you know, penalty kick. Anything can happen to switch this up. So I don't think any of these teams feel safe, and I don't think they should feel safe. Yeah, and the the kicker here, Will, is that next week, and we'll probably talk about it as well for a little bit, you have a little bit bigger stretch of the top half playing the lower half, which is where you're really going to see the table fill out a lot nicer or a little more nicely excuse me um because i know the last week of the season i do know that we have a leverkusen and dortmund matchup which can be or will be probably just insane i'm definitely going to want to be watching that but like for example like we said you know dortmund taking on leipzig this week hurts one of them Bayern and Mönchengladbach could hurt one of them depending on if leipzig beat dortmund and Bayern somehow slip up it only puts Leipzig four points away. So there's a lot of implications still in this Bundesliga table. We're obviously going to be keeping a close eye on it the next few weeks here. But, Will, if you've got nothing le- nothing else left in the soccer world this week, I'm going to start wrapping it up here. Well, let's. I want to cover the CONCACAF Champions League real quick. Oh, yes. Um, we got Toronto FC taking on Cruz Azul tonight. They're unfortunately 3-1 down at Cruz Azul. I, I say that's a tough tie to get out of, I think. Um, so we also have Philadelphia Union who's already wiped the floor with uh, Atlanta 3-0 um, tomorrow we have the likes of Columbus Crew going down to Monterey tied 2-2 on aggregate which was a crazy game which infis- the officials should be investigated for and then uh, <laughs> America play Portland Timbers who are also tied 1-1 on aggregate um, so let's see if some MLS teams can make it through that semifinal stage man most definitely but as always, well, that's going to wrap it up from us. If you guys want to check us out on Twitter, at the Small Baller, wherever you guys listen to your podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify. Uh, I don't remember the other ones. I saw them the other day. I always just say, wherever you find your podcasts, you know how to find us. And we look forward to hearing, or excuse me, seeing you guys next week. Like I said, we plan on having a special guest this week, but next week, hopefully, we're going to be able to bring them in. We're not going to announce anything just yet, but you guys are definitely want to going to definitely want to stay tuned (laughs) excuse me there for that one uh we've already had tom one of our friends on the pod and that one went well we think this one's obviously going to go great as well here so with that guys that's been it from us have a great rest of your week with football enjoy champions league tomorrow bundesliga and all their games across europe this week and we'll see you guys later peace cheers